Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a podcast from therapists for clients about the healing journey. We hope this will be a resource of encouragement, comfort, insight, and understanding for you along this courageous process. Welcome back to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. We're in the studio today with the three of us, Jen Bridger and myself, Melissa, um, and we are going to talk about overcoming trauma and um, kind of just give a breakdown of the process that we go through and some things that we think are important for you guys to know as you're evaluating for yourself the trauma in your own life and then how to seek uh, support for your healing. Yeah. So before we get started, we want to share some uh, resources with you. Yes. One that we're excited to share about is something that we do as part of our organization, Beyond Healing Center, are healing retreats. And these are really focused in on healing from trauma, any type of wounds, hurts, um, struggles in life. So what these are, it's kind of a just an overview is it's a time and a space for you to step outside of your everyday life that may be overwhelming, chaotic, and just be really nurtured and cared for. Mm -hmm. And so during that time, there's intensive therapy work that takes place um, at least three hours a day, but that's also balanced with caring for your body, your mind through yoga therapy, massage therapy. Um, There's a lot of other services that are optional, like equine therapy, working Mm -hmm. with horses. It's a new thing we've added. Yes. It's exciting. Neurofeedback, um, your food is provided, your lodging is provided, and so it's just really a full experience, holistic experience of trying to heal from whatever wound that you are struggling with. So these are something that we are currently doing, but we're now filled up for the rest of 2020. So we're booking retreats for 2021. Mm -hmm. And if you are interested in getting more information on this or just learning more about them, you can check out our website at www.beyondhealingcenter.com and feel free. There's a tab there that says retreats and you can learn a lot more, but you can also send us a message through there, email us, and we would be happy to get in contact with you to talk more about them. Yeah. And I think just adding this is can be something that's you know on top of the work that you're already doing um or it can be your first go with therapy there's no type of you know prerequisites to this uh this retreat or anything and we have different um lengths and durations that you can do we're very flexible we want to be um the most supportive we can in helping Mm -hmm. you in this very intimate decision to start uh healing from uh whatever might be keeping you from being the person that you want to be. And so I don't want you to feel like, well, I'm already in therapy. And so that would be. No, we love working with other therapists. Absolutely. We Mm -hmm. get a lot of referrals for retreats from other therapists Mm -hmm. uh, that aren't discontinuing their work with their clients, but they're saying this would be a really good and intentional time for you to go uh, do this work and then we can incorporate it back into our work so um, for the same the same goes for people that haven't done any therapy before mm-hmm. this is a pretty incredible first go yeah, <laughs> of yeah. therapy yeah. Um, for people that have never done it before so no matter where you're at on your healing journey the retreats can be a wonderfully supportive uh, tool for you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well okay so our topic for today 
is overcoming trauma. And we felt like uh, it made sense to just revisit a couple of things that we've already talked about because it's so relevant to this conversation. So the first thing is we just want to review our definition here at Beyond Healing Center, the definition that we use for trauma because it's a lot more expansive yes. um, mm-hmm. than the typical one that we're used to hearing. So, Bridger? Yeah, and it helps us see why we talk about trauma so much. Yeah. It's just like it's all we talk mm-hmm. about sometimes, yeah. it seems like. And that is really because um, the the definition that we use at Beyond Healing Center is uh, taken for, from some researchers that we felt really encompassed um, why these impactful events are are such to our system. Mm-hmm. And so our definition of trauma is when anything comes into our uh, into our world or into our awareness that overwhelms us in such a way that it's too much too soon, too much for too long, or too little for too long. Mm-hmm. That can be any, you know, as I say that, uh, though we've said it before, um, the whole history of your life can start to fall into mm-hmm. those categories. Yeah. And so be kind with yourself through this episode. But um, this definition seeks to really normalize and affirm um, your experience as, as a wounded human uh, mm-hmm. that we all are and going through your life uh, just sort of reacting to things and not really knowing why. Mm-hmm. But this definition seeks to help you understand what has helped, what has uh, shaped you into the person that you yeah. are today. Yeah. And I think that's a really intentional use of that word, shaping. Yes. Because all of those experiences that we have have a very, very direct uh, shaping influence, not just emotionally, but biologically, mm-hmm. physiologically. Our nervous system is shaped by those experiences. And so everything that we go through later in life, our system is always referencing back to our past experiences. Our nervous system is basically a giant library that we are constantly referencing, all below the conscious level, right? We're not doing this consciously. But subconsciously, our nervous system is constantly looking into the past at relevant information to make predictions about our present and about our future. Mm -hmm. And for most situations, that's a really excellent strategy. It makes us very efficient. Um, It's one of the reasons why human beings have been able to do everything that we can do. However, it also comes at a price that if we have a lot of trauma in our history, and most of us do, if we use that definition that Bridger just stated, And if we're referencing all of those traumatic situations, all of those overwhelming situations, it leads to us making predictions about the present and about the future that are often very anxiety provoking, that hold a lot of uh, fear, a lot of uh, stress, a lot of shame, whatever the flavor of that previous experience that we're referencing, we now bring it into the present with us and everything is colored by, it's like we're looking through that lens in the present day. And sometimes it is a a huge mismatch. So our reaction in the present is so much more about the past and that explains a lot of the reason why we have these um, what seem like overreactions mm-hmm. to present moment situations. Yeah. When there's certain moments, I think that tr- kind of bring us back to putting on those glasses. So yes. it may not be all day, every day we live in that. Right. But there's something that kind of initiates us to put on the glasses and then see that situation through those mm-hmm. lenses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether it be a tone of voice or a certain circumstance or, you know, something that brings up a feeling in your body that it's then you're reacting to that with those lenses rather yes. than the clarity that you may have had right. earlier. One of the analogies that I use with my clients a lot is the uh, 
even if you haven't seen the movie, people typically know what Terminator vision is. Mm. Um, it's like looking <laughs> through these lenses and all this data comes up when uh-huh. Terminator was looking at someone, you know, would say what they are, whether they're a threat or, you know, what it is. And for us, um, this is a really great analogy because it helps us to see how our vision can be shaped because mm-hmm. based on these experiences. And I really slow down here when I'm working with, with people um, because this is a very, this can be an overwhelming realization that things that happened to them so long ago or uh, maybe not so long ago are still being brought up and mm-hmm. uh, reacted to as if they're happening in this moment. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very um, intricate process to start sort of weeding out, is this real or is this recorded memory from, okay. from so long ago? Um, and so I really, really slow down here in interacting with clients on this and, and kind of point to uh, the, the evolution of our species and why this is a great idea. But then in our attachment relationships, especially early on, how these um, hardware frameworks that we can be downloaded with are uh, maybe not serving us so well anymore. Yeah. So I'm curious for you guys in working with people how you... Uh, typically start to introduce this idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how do you go about that? I would say one of the things that I hear clients say a lot um, is, is a question or kind of a, a question slash statement of, I feel like I should be over this by now. Mm-hmm. Or why am I not over this? And for some reason as a culture, we are really, really hard on ourselves about this idea that there's some kind of um, time limit on how long we're able to be impacted and affected by something. And it's almost a sign of weakness if we're still bothered by things and, you know, the expiration date of how long I'm allowed to struggle has passed. Um, And we get a lot of help from society and from people around us suggesting that we should not be so upset about things anymore. But when, when people say that, I think the first place that I go is, hey, that's not actually a choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is hardwired into our biology to continue to reference those things. It is, as humans, our best survival strategy. Yeah. If we don't do that, then we would not survive. And sometimes I don't even maybe all the time <laughs> past survival strategies, if we hold on to them um, for a really, really long time, we start to pay a pretty high price for keeping them. But there was always a really excellent reason why we did it in the yes. first place. They were necessary. Yeah, it was absolutely mm-hmm. necessary. And so that tends to be where I start with people. Like if we look at what was going on at your life in that point, how old were you? How big were you? How much power did you have? How much not power did you have? Yeah. <laughs> or however, you know, grammatically correct that is. Um, you know, how, how much influence did you really have over your life at that time? And so whatever strategy you came up with to try to survive, especially as a child, just because it looks weird and doesn't make sense as an adult, when it was an originally created by your system, it made so much sense. Yeah. In fact, it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. It was profoundly um, effective at keeping you safe. And so we start there as a way of really de-shaming and understanding and coming yeah. to ourselves with self-compassion to say, uh, you know, yeah, it didn't. It, it is really inconvenient now that yeah. every time I'm upset, I eat way too much sugar, yeah. right? Like my body is mm-hmm. saying, excuse me, that's a problem now that, you know, I'm this old. But when I was a kid, mm-hmm. if I didn't have a good attachment with my mother, man, food, that's a great yeah. option. Oh, yeah. 
right? It's it's so nurturing to us. Yeah, exactly. I can make myself feel better. I can regulate my emotions a little bit. And so offered with time and attention. Let's go get ice cream. Yes, yes. And Mm -hmm. so there's so much about it that our body goes, Oh yeah, this is a great second option. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where to me I start pointing to entangle Mm -hmm. what we call entanglements. Um, if you know, if food, let's say, as an as a object, was paired with the interpersonal interaction with mom or dad that right. was positive, mm-hmm. that then gets interwoven. So mm-hmm. you can't have one without the other, right. uh, or at least it's rare. Um, you're not going to get the same positive reactions if food isn't there. And that's mm-hmm. just one example. Yeah. Um, another example can be play, or another example can be sports. Um, whatever it might be, your body is looking to your primary caregiver and saying, what makes them want to connect with me? Mm-hmm. That is happening at the moment to moment level. Yeah. Um, but you know, before you even have a uh, memory that you can reach back to your system was doing this, mm-hmm. what is going to make mom or dad or the caregiver, whoever it is, want to connect with me? Oh, it's when I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Now I can just be happy and mom or dad or whoever will start mm-hmm. to interact with me positively or maybe it's when I don't cry Mm -hmm. okay so I need to not cry or show negative emotion and then they'll be content in interacting with me and that's even in the most healthy families right this this doesn't just happen in highly dysfunctional families but naturally I think of myself as a parent or even growing up as a kid like there is a natural shaping of getting kids to behave Mm -hmm. in a desirable way for Mm -hmm. the parents. Yes. And whether like you said, that's not crying, that's obeying, that's, you know, Mm -hmm. accomplishing chores or making people laugh, like Mm -hmm. finding that being a smart kid, get a lot of attention for good grades. Yes. might be raising her hand. Me too. My personal. It's okay. This is how I have found that I get attention. I get, security, I get mm-hmm. love, um, I'm recognized for this, and so I'm going to really excel in that. I'm going to do yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. And so even in the healthiest families, we can start to look back of how are we wired to be the way that we are, and how is it now problematic? Mm-hmm. Yes. And how do we start to shift and reshape that? Yeah, because what I find, so many people will come into my office and just be like, they're, you know, their chief presenting problem if they don't identify as a traumatized individual will be i'm just not enjoying things as i was Mm -hmm. anymore Mm -hmm. and that is a red light to me of oh okay so the thing that you chose to pair with positive reinforcement or at least the absence of negative punishment uh is no longer giving you any joy anymore it's not working exactly Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. the first realization of yeah this thing that uh i leaned on for so long to give me worth has let me down yeah Mm -hmm. And I can't handle it anymore. I want to help with it. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking of a very special client of mine that I spoke with today who that same realization of when I'm working really hard on a project, when that project ends, I feel like Mm -hmm. I have no worth, no value. Like I don't have worth just existing as I am. And that was from early time, like finding this is where I survive in life. This is how I get my needs met in life and how I get attention and recognition. Yes. And I break through what my family was and become something different. Mm -hmm. And so when that project ends, then I'm left to feeling worthless and meaningless. And that's a great question of if you just fill in the blank for yourself of, I don't have worth unless I 
I'm working. Or am what? We appreciate your work, but we love you also, <laughs> like you. just as you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thank but, you, Bridger. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. But um, that is a wonderful exercise to start seeing what are the things that you utilize for giving you worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I always kind of joke with my clients about, like, wouldn't it be nice to not have to do that anymore? Mm-hmm. And they're just like, yeah, I don't Or to be able to do it just because you enjoy it. Just because you want to. Not yes, because exactly. that's the only way you yes, have worth. exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think for, for all of us, you know, when we kind of reflect, we have this experience of riding this roller coaster. Yeah. And... This is, it's a thing that I, you know, talk to almost all of my clients about this feeling of getting on this roller coaster and kind of agreeing to participate in the insanity of chasing worth and chasing safety all the time. Yes. And it's always, always because of those early life experiences that told us this is the only option. Yes. You you don't have another option to feel safe, to feel loved, to feel accepted. And one of the biggest challenges in healing from trauma is realizing Oh, I don't even have to get on that roller coaster. You don't have to go to the park. I don't. I don't. I don't have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And then there's the huge question of, well, what do I do instead? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because my my whole life has been, uh, you know, constructed around the pursuit of these things with these particular methods of pursuing them. And so when we start to to reflect and realize, oh, that's what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. That's why I've been doing it. There's sort of this moment of crisis of like, well. What do I do instead? Who am I? Yeah, you can't if, just take away my strategies. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and so that it's such a tender thing in the healing journey of when we start to you know let those things fall away and really discover, am I actually that person that they told me that I needed to be? Is there any truth in that, or am I something else entirely? Mm-hmm. Do I even enjoy the way that I'm being, the way that I'm working so hard, the way that I'm showing up in the world, or do I want to let some of that go, or maybe even all of that go? Yeah. And when we do that, it really can uh, mess with our relationships. Yeah, and I think that is an easy question to hear of, mm-hmm. you know, well, do I want to keep doing that? Um, or the worthiness question. But uh, what our system did, uh, we are so crafty mm-hmm. as, as human beings. And that's something I always say to my clients because we, in doing those entanglements of pairing this behavior, this way of being with the reaction that you want to get, you also insulated that with, um, if you violate this, mm-hmm. that is the worst place you right. can possibly be. Right. If, if you violate this rule that you must be this in order to get this, um, we're going to use shame and we're going to use uh, a lot of fear mm-hmm. um, in your system to get you back on track, right. get you back on the path of you know, doing all of these things and, and having these maintenance behaviors or these, mm-hmm. um, you know, little patterns that you find yourself in these ruts of why can't I stop doing this? Or, yeah. you know, it, I hear you therapist and saying that I need to change these things, but you don't understand the fear that gets introduced into my system when I, I can't stop right, doing it. Right. Yeah. So that this kind of brings us to, uh, another point about what kind of, I was going to say really quick before okay. you move on, I feel the need to, <clears throat> even clarify the way we're talking about it is a very insightful, mm-hmm. reflective, deep way. So mm-hmm. I know even myself, and I imagine a lot of people listening, haven't even reached the place of thinking those thoughts. Like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. I don't have worth unless I'm working. Yes. And so, you know, and, and to step that back, what that can really look like, of what a client or a human, what I even experience in day-to-day life is 
more of a presentation of I find myself staying busy all the time or mm-hmm. saying something like I have to provide for my family yes. or you know I, I hear things of if I stop working I'm going to get old or I'm going to yeah. you know mm-hmm. like that might be someone I love dearly that says that <laughs> <laughs> so okay. this idea of I think the way we talk about it makes it sound clear and simple but it's often disguised so tremendously in our own cognitions that we're not even thinking of it on that level and being in therapy working with someone is helps us work through um, just those cognitive logical perspectives about Mm -hmm. it and dig deeper of what's actually going on here yeah that's a really good point don't have that insight know that that's part of the healing journey is getting in company with people who can kind of help you weed through the outer layer of how your Mm -hmm. brain is presenting it Mm -hmm. and really digging deeper into the meaning behind it Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I feel like that kind of, you know, goes into this next point about what do we actually do in therapy that is effective for helping people work mm-hmm. through that and, and really identify those things. And, um, you know, we've talked a little bit on this podcast about the way that we approach therapy and how different it is, um, because there we don't have hardly any evidence that says that cognitive focused therapies really help us fully resolve and release trauma mm-hmm. and that's kind of what you were talking about Jen where yeah we can we can talk and uh, you know identify like oh well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that but we have to take it that layer deeper we have to look at the underlying um, enactments that our body that our nervous system is really going through to really understand uh, the deeper level of what's going on and and work with that because as we get older our you know incredibly powerful rational logical thinking storytelling brain will come up with all kinds of interesting stories <laughs> to disguise the original yep. reason yep. Yep. right so instead of walking around going oh well i'm a workaholic because my family told me from the time that i was tiny that if you're not working all the time, then you're lazy. And mm-hmm. to be lazy, you might as well go to hell because that's literally the worst thing that you can be as a human being is a lazy person. Oh, right. yeah. Now, did they ever like say that directly? Yes, I am telling a story about my own family. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we do that a lot. I know, I know. Yep. We're, we're allowed to tell our own stories and we try to be careful with client stories for obvious <laughs> reasons. So yeah, you're going to learn a lot about us. But um, I think that this is a pretty familiar one in our culture. So it's a good example. But it's not that this was stuff that was like directly said, like you must work all the Explicitly. time or else. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it's not that, but it was just woven in. Well, I think even like given, giving examples of, uh, which I have a very similar story. Mm-hmm. As you uh, it wasn't threatened with eternal uh, damnation. damnation yeah. but, Mis- missionary family, uh, so yes. everything was eternal damnation. Yeah. I came from <laughs> heathens, so yes. <laughs> uh, non-believers. Um, so... <laughs> Yes. So, but for me, an example of uh, the type of encouragement that, you know, encouragement's a funny word, <laughs> but the type of, you know, in, incentivizing and requirements of this type of, of rule following was, well, when are you going to go to work? Mm-hmm. Well, what are you going to do when you get off work? Mm-hmm. Well, what are you going to do? You know, mm-hmm. just these heavy loaded questions yes. of, I feel like so much expectation the, is put on yeah, me right now. There's so much pressure. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's that type of pressure that comes across as, th- that is the explicit saying yes. of the family rule, that to be a lazy person is to be a 
basically just a waste Bad. of space. Yes. And yeah. the flip side of acknowledging, I'm so proud of you got this promotion. Exactly. Mm. Wow, you've worked 70 hours this yeah. week. That's so impressive. Yeah. Or, you I wish so you would have said that yeah. because what it was, <laughs> um, oh, sorry, mom. But uh, <laughs> what she did say was, um, yeah, well, guess how much I worked. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So now it's a comparison of who oh, can work 100%. more and whoever worked more wins. Yes. I yes. love you, mom, if you ever listen to this. But... Um, <laughs> You know, we have some things to work through, as yeah. <laughs> all parents do with yeah. their kids. But, um, yeah, it wasn't, uh, wow, you worked so hard. You know, I've never heard that from my mom. Right. Uh, it's always uh, maybe, you know, the best I've ever gotten was when I graduated with my master's. And mm. she just, like, patted me on the back and said, good job. Because mm. yeah. she didn't have an equivalent thing to right. say, well, like, well, guess what I did, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. So um, it, it is, this is what we're talking about in the ways yeah. of these types of um, expectations and then the heavy hammer requirement right. that it is. Like, if you don't do this, mm-hmm. you're not a part of our family. Like, mm-hmm. you're not you're not being the type of, you know, son or daughter or whatever that we raised you to be. You don't yeah. match up. Yeah. Exactly. Another way this happens a lot is when it's not said directly, it's what you hear them say about other people outside exactly. the family. Oh, man. Yes. Oh, boy. The, the All the lazy people that were not a part of our family, like, boy, did I hear about what boy, they did. Boy, did I hear. So much. And so the message was loud and clear. Whatever you do. Received. Don't, don't be like those people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we had a long list of the, the, those people and things that, you know, we weren't allowed to be fat, ugly, lazy, you know, really all the standard ones. I mean, they weren't that creative about it. <laughs> Just, yeah. You know, the basic things that, uh, that most of us are traumatized by. Yeah. Um, we laugh because it's, it's sad. Yeah. It's very sad. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, so, so as we're talking about this, you guys are probably beginning to see like, when we think of trauma, we're not thinking of the major, you know, violent events typical, of our life. No, 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 no. We're talking yeah. about the too much for too long, the slow, steady drip of shame, the slow, steady drip of not good enough yeah. or lack of attention. Yes, my my acceptability, my lovability, my inclusion is always in question. The threat of rejection that's sort of constantly haunting us. Yeah. Those things, all of our research tells us, they are way more traumatic to us in the long run than the big violent moments of our life that we usually yeah. think of. And one of the things I say to my clients, it's just to make that really sink in, you know, if if you have a really strong foundation, a big storm can come mm-hmm. and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like the house is going to make it through. Yeah. But if that foundation is already breaking apart with these, you know, too much for too long or these too little for too longs, if that's already breaking apart, a small gust of wind can that's come right. and destroy that's the right. house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is usually a, huh, you know, like yeah. a sigh that 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 happens in the person because they start to realize that at maybe as well intentioned as their their upbringing was, yeah. Yeah. it set them up on a decimated foundation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know about you guys, but one of the things that I run into a lot with people is this fear of blaming oh, their yes. parents constantly, mm-hmm. and the the worry of well. You know, if I decide that they screwed me up that bad or that everything they did was traumatic or they're awful parents, then what does that mean for my relationship? Um, Or does that mean that I'm going to have to cut them off? Or does it mean that I'm going to have to be angry at them? The answer is no. It doesn't mean any of that. But what what we're suggesting is we have to take stock of the way that we were shaped. We can do that with incredible compassion and empathy and understanding Mm -hmm. for why they did it that way. 
Like, it's not a mystery to me why my family gave me those messages. And I went through a phase in my healing journey of needing to be pretty angry with them about it yeah. and, and dealing with that and setting some boundaries around how we would communicate going forward. But there's still relationship yes. because there's there's compassion, there's understanding. But we can only do that if we're willing to tell ourselves the truth about what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in therapy, it is a, a safe space to just let ourselves tell the truth. It's not about blaming. It's not about not taking responsibility for ourselves. In fact, it's quite the opposite of yes. that. By telling ourselves the truth about what shaped us, we can take more responsibility for ourselves in the present. And begin to even have compassion for what shaped them. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. Because it's, and, and why they parented in the way that they did from their own mm-hmm. nervous system reactions, yeah, yeah. their own fear of shame, their yes. own insecurities. Yes. Um, and so I think that's another level and layer of healing. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people too, and, and I'll include myself in this, of fearing looking too deep into that because then what does that mean for my own parenting? Right. Exactly. And yes. what have I already screwed up? You know, like, what have so I already much. done wrong? Yes. <laughs> what is yes. she going to be talking about in therapy? Yeah. That's just the yeah. acceptance. It's just like, yeah, yeah like, my kids are going to go to therapy, yeah. hopefully, because yeah, I'm talk about imperfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right yeah. I had someone, a client, tell me once that her parents told her, like, we're not saving for your college, but we have a, an account for you for therapy for the rest of your life. <laughs> I don't know if it was real or not, but I'm like, that's a great idea. That's a yeah. great idea. And then Co- you opened up a savings account, right? Right. <laughs> Four of them. <laughs> well, yeah. Four savings, yeah, that's right. Well, so, you know, the natural next question is, um, so what do we what do we do about this? Yeah. You know, once we tell ourselves the truth, once we, you know, have that safe space where we can start to reflect on all of the ways that we've been shaped in our history, then what do we do to actually start releasing ourselves from the grip of the past? And the, the main thing that we focus on, and we'll you know talk a lot about what this means, but it's all about safety. Yes. It's all about allowing our body and our mind to really experience safety in a whole new way. And usually it's in a way that we've never experienced before, in a way that we barely even have a template for. And so that is a lot of what we uh, mm-hmm. focus on, especially early in treatment, but frankly, through the whole process. Yeah. Safety mm-hmm. is everything. Yes. And that includes like a physical primary safety, Mm -hmm. but it's even going beyond that. Like maybe you have a house, you have food, there's no natural disasters or current crisis, but still finding a deeper rooted safety of like a a nervous system. Like your, your body knows it's safe, not just your mind. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, our definition of trauma therapy Um, is to get to the point through whatever means necessary with our clients to get to the point where their body and mind both agree together Mm -hmm. that they're safe in connection and that we'll unpack that more and more as the podcast goes on because it's it's something that unfolds throughout the therapeutic process but ultimately the safety you know as Jen was saying you think of the basic needs that you have a lot of people you know especially if they're coming to therapy have many of those things checked off maybe not all of them but they have a lot of them checked off it's that middle level it's those psychological or emotional needs that they have maybe never had met Mm -hmm. and so they're just running on you know their rpm is all the way up and they're just redlining trying to get through the day Mm -hmm. because they don't ever have a place where they can actually Rest actually yeah. yield into a safety of yeah. emotional holding space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as a therapist, my one of my 
you know, do when in doubt and throughout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just try to hold space for my clients to feel that this person, that Bridger, wants to know my internal world and is not seeking a good bad right? distinction. There is, is no just, judgment. Yes, mm-hmm. but it's just saying you're welcome here, mm-hmm. and we're going to process through them together. Mm-hmm. That is something that so few people get to actually experience. And that to me is the first ingredient of of safety and providing safety for my clients. And to have that ingredient just period, point blank, as healing, but then to have it while you go back through Mm -hmm. the wounds and the hurts and the things that shaped your nervous system to be uh, you know, lit up and reacting yeah. to have that presence there throughout that. That is really incredible healing. That's when the nervous system has what we call disconfirming experiences, mm-hmm. mismatched experiences. We thought that this person, given my showing of this negative emotion, mm-hmm. would judge me or shame yeah. me or react in a really big and or negative way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or leave me, abandon me, force me into exile. Yeah. But instead they said, they reflected that feeling to me and comforted me. Mm-hmm. That's not supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, let's try another story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the unfolding process of, is this person, you know, that testing that happens in therapy, is this person going to to actually be there for me when right. I need them? Right. Mm-hmm. It's on, you know, it's absolutely a beautiful right that the client has it to, to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't expect trust to be uh, just establish the first day. Right. That's actually a concerning point for right. us as therapists yeah. of, yeah. are you just dumping all of this out on the table uh, for some other agenda mm-hmm. or are you actually wanting to, to get help with these mm-hmm. things? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, therapy is a place where that is offered so openly and freely. And it, it's, sometimes challenging because people are so conscious that this is our job and you know we yeah. get paid to do this um, but I can say with absolute confidence no therapist does it for the money and <laughs> um, and what I mean by that and the reason why that's important is because we choose to do this work because we desire to offer people these kinds of experiences yeah. it is who we are and uh, you know, we do it even when we're not getting paid for it, yep. and we do it in our mm-hmm. in our personal relationships, and that's the way that we conduct our our world um, because we know the power of it and the importance of it. And so, when you're sitting with a therapist, um, sometimes our rational brain tries to tell us, "Well, the only reason that they're doing it is because it's, it's their job." You have yeah. to say you, that. You mm-hmm. have to. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, they don't. Yes. They don't have to do that. There's a lot of therapists that don't offer safety Um, and so when you find one that does just know like that is genuine that is real and they are offering you the kind of connection that can be healing on every level and when we have those kinds of safe and connected moments with another human being it is reshaping our nervous system so when the past has shaped us in one way the present can reshape us and that is how we really heal and we, we only have those reshaping experiences in connection with others. We don't have those reshaping experiences on our own. Now, 
I will say that there are two places where that uh, can be slightly an exception. That can happen with deeply spiritual experience. Yeah. It can also happen in relationship with nature. There's something in particular about that that uh, it's almost like nature is anthropomorphized and becomes a person that we can have a relationship mm. with, and it can provide these reshaping experiences. But for most of us, that healing encounter is going to happen with another human being. And, you know, we offer that as therapists, but it can also happen in other relationships. It can happen with friends. It can happen with partners. Um, it can even happen with the people that were the problem in the past. And if they go through their own healing, then suddenly we find ourselves able to connect in a new way that is profoundly healing yeah. and brings so much hope and restoration. Mm. And so, you know, looking around your world and asking yourself, who are the people that I have around me, if any, that I can have this kind of safe and connected experience with, where when I come to them, I don't experience judgment, threat of rejection. Yeah. And I feel like we should talk a little bit about how to know if a mm-hmm. relationship is That's one that can be, you know... Uh, Healing? Yeah, accessed mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that I talk about with my with my clients on gauging, you know, healthy or unhealthy relationships. And we use different language, uh, co-regulated or Mm co-dysregulated, which we can talk a little bit more about later. But um, these are relationships that, you know, the type of relationships that will need to be there for there to be healing is one that love is for free. Yeah. You get acceptance and validation and uh, help. You get support without strings attached to Mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. That is uh, a great, you know, just idea or or construct to just run through all of your relationships to see, man, is this person actually in my life in a, in such a way that I don't have to do anything? Mm-hmm. There's no requirements. There's yeah. no expectations. I'm just able to be myself, yeah. and that that person is the one that they want to be in relationship with, yes. not, oh, I have to always be the one to tell the joke, or I always mm-hmm. have to be the one to get them something, or I always have mm-hmm. to be the one to process their emotions, mm-hmm. and I never get to. If there's not mm-hmm. that reciprocal uh, acceptance and, and love for free, that's a statement I use a lot. Um, if there isn't that, that relationship is not one that um, can be so immediately a part of your healing journey not to say that there's not hope for it but it's not one to go after listening to this podcast and Mm -hmm. say hey I want you to listen to this podcast and then let's talk about it (laughs) Um, maybe that's how you start that journey I mean that's one way yeah but um, (laughs) if the love isn't for free um, that's that's one that you need to still process through yeah those, those aren't necessarily all bad relationships no. or relationships you can't have in a, for a different purpose and, and reason or that those are cruel intentions from the other person, mm-hmm. but they may not have the capacity right. exactly. to step into a deeply co-regulated relationship. Yes. Or they may have never been offered the chance because we're Probably so busy. Not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I absolutely know personally, there are plenty of people that are quite happy to offer me a co-regulated experience, but it's usually my own hangups that make that not happen. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes when we're evaluating our relationships, we've got to remember to ask, um, sometimes I don't know if that person is willing because I've never actually given them the chance to show me that they are. If I always show up, um, you know, offering this thing on a silver mm-hmm. platter and, and, you know, never giving them the opportunity to show me like, oh, you don't, you don't have to do that. I don't require you to, you know, bring a payment of yeah. any kind, mm-hmm. um, a, an emotional payment, a relational payment, some, sometimes a literal payment, yeah. um, you know. If we if we can't find relationships where we 
already know that that's a possibility, ask yourself if maybe there's somebody that feels like you could experiment and just do a little bit of a toe dip and risk just a little bit more authenticity, a little bit more vulnerability and see what happens. And we're not saying that you, you know, pour your heart out to them. And just see what happens. And just see what happens. No, 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 no. no. I really mean like a little toe dip. Go a little farther than you normally would with vulnerability and authenticity and see what they do. What's an example of that? Yeah. Very practically. Uh, A toe dip. Okay. So uh, I'll use a personal uh, favorite of mine. So most people never know if I'm having a bad day, right? Like it's just not, that is privileged information. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so the people that get to know if I'm having a bad day, um, that for me is sort of the first step of like, are you a person that I can be safe with? And that usually sounds like literally me saying, yes, today is a shit day. Yeah, I'm not okay. Yeah. And then I say nothing else and just just see, see, like, what do they do? And I want to point out if the person's motive is to start fixing. Yes. Oh, no, I don't feel safe. And that's a place (laughs) that's not the end of the conversation. That's right. But that's a place where you can say, I kind of just want you to listen. Mm-hmm. So I was say, it has to be molded because exactly. they may not know what you're You don't have a template for this. Yes, exactly. Yes. If we always have those fix-it conversations previously and I'm going to try a new experiment, it, it's only kind yeah. to let them know that. Exactly. Yeah, don't don't you know give them a test that they cannot pass, yeah, so to set speak. set someone up to fail. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so when Melissa comes to me and says that she's having a shit day, that's a space where I may be curious about what is going on in her Mm -hmm. world to make it such a bad day or such a hard day Mm -hmm. but then my goal isn't to say well well, how can we change that right why haven't you tried this yeah well have you done this did Mm -hmm. you talk to this person Mm -hmm. it's just more so did you take your vitamins today well i do ask you you that no no you don't i don't ask you that (laughs) maybe i should i don't know you shouldn't um but my you know the way i respond to melissa then is i'm so sorry that it's such a hard day right what do you need right now? Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. want to sit? Mm-hmm. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. And we just sit. This is a, a new way of doing this type of relationship. You don't have to fix it. Right. And honestly, that's not the thing that's going to help. Right. That's you know giving a man a fish instead of mm-hmm. teaching him how to. Mm-hmm. Um, to just fix a problem for somebody is maybe great and may make you feel good, but ultimately that's just going to set up another problem to come and say, oh, I don't know, and then now we're on the road to codependency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. don't want that either. Mm-hmm. So this type of vulnerability is one that says, I just want you to love me for free right now, and I'm going to do the same thing for you, Yeah. and I just want you to sit with me. Mm-hmm. And let me feel my big emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that right there, let me just feel my feelings. Yeah. What permission mm-hmm. that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is, for most of us, a profoundly disconfirming experience because most of us, when we were little, were not allowed to just feel our feelings. Yes. We were told you know, they were too much. Yeah. Or, they... or immediately, like, even even with the best of intentions, adults try to get kids to stop crying. Mm-hmm. When sometimes, like, hey, you know, if you just let them cry, then their biology takes care of whatever's going mm-hmm. on for them. And maybe even help them make sense of why they're crying. And yes. Just, yes, that is so hard. Yes. Yeah, and encourage it and, and really lean into it with them. And so as adults, we're just not, I know, like we're just, we're just not that much different than we are when we're three years old. We just get a little more sophisticated about it and bigger. Um, and so, you know, looking at your relationships and like Bridger is saying, just offering, um, space, offering 
a holding, um, sometimes a literal holding can be really, really nice, but also just being next to somebody as they feel their feelings and letting them be witnessed and honored in that space is profoundly healing. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I think therapy is a beautiful place that you get that and you're guaranteed to get it. Mm-hmm. Well, With let, good therapy. Yes, <laughs> good therapist. Hopefully. If your therapist is just trying to solve the problems... Yeah. That's a different kind of therapy. Different kind that's of That's not what we're talking about here. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. But to have that space, that's a guaranteed, I come to this place and it's scheduled, I've carved time out to have that every week or every few weeks um, mm. is such an important way to really care for ourselves and love ourselves mm-hmm. if we don't have, especially if we don't have that in other relationships. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Okay. So any final thoughts? so many more so yeah. i know i think I know. it's a good place to end this for a while but we have a whole podcast that's right so that's right. we'll be Welcome back to be on trauma. <laughs> yeah. well so were you going to talk about the mental health first aid kit actually i was you going are. to talk okay. about the mental health first <laughs> yes. aid kit and i will right now perfect timing podcast <laughs> um so we uh at beyond healing center have um developed a just an amazing resource every time i look at it i'm just like oh my gosh mm-hmm. there's so much in this thing um if you go to our website and uh is it under courses right now yeah 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 i think that's right you go under courses and then you'll scroll down and you'll see this a uh, beautiful image that underneath says uh mental health first aid kit and this is a uh, this will take you to an online platform where you can have uh just unlimited access uh you know forever once you purchase the uh, once you purchase the kit, and for one individual purchase, it's $50. Mm-hmm. And once you purchase that, you'll get a login information. You'll be able to get into this um, platform that has 15 guided exercises um, with transcripts provided for each of them, uh, mm-hmm. multiple worksheets to help you start. Videos. Uh, yeah, videos, uh, multiple worksheets to start helping you get in touch with Um, yourself to help you start imagining change in your world to get you to a more co-regulated or uh, just a better place and uh, it's the three of us talking uh, so you'll recognize our voices from this podcast you get to see our faces and you get to put a face to a voice Mm -hmm. what a wonderful experience (laughs) which is always really weird when you've been listening to somebody talking and then you see their face and it's like man i don't know if that's how i I imagined (laughs) totally different in my head yeah uh (laughs) yes so, but this resource is is something that you can uh, just use bit by bit. You know, mm-hmm. it's not something that you have to get through all in one sitting. Honestly, that would be exhausting because there's a lot of introspective mm-hmm. uh, work. But this resource is, is designed to help you start to learn the language of getting in touch with yourself mm-hmm. and to really start checking in. And then from that check-in, begin to exercise that uh, sort of emotional regulation to yeah. not get rid of the negative emotions, but to get in touch with them and to start making sense of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third piece is balancing. The mm-hmm. third piece is balancing your world to match the type of uh, connection that you seek so desperately. That's with yourself, and then that's also with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's just an incredible resource that'll help you uh, f- just right from your computer screen or even on your phone or your just mobile device. Uh, it, it'll be able to start helping you uh, make the changes that you want to make in your life. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Bridger. You're welcome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And please send us any questions you have, any comments that you have, and take care of yourselves. Safe journeys, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Trauma, a psychotherapy podcast from therapists for clients about the journey of trauma recovery. 
While resources like this can be helpful, they should never take the place of or be used as therapy. We encourage you to find a trauma-informed therapist in your area to be your guide in this healing journey. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and we would appreciate it if you could leave us a review. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at beyondtraumapodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in.